this is Mona Khalif, the host and producer of the Association for Positive Behavior Support, APBS podcast. Hi, this is Tanya Mizgin. I'm the host and co-producer of the APBS podcast, and we are both joining you today from the University of Minnesota at the Masonic Institute for the Developing Brain within ICI. All right. I'm here today with Dr. Erica Leslie McDowell and Dr. Don Kincaid, and I am Tanya Mizgin, co-host of the APBS podcast. We are here today to talk about a very important and relevant topic, equity and inclusion, and how that relates to positive behavior supports and the larger organization of the Association for Positive Behavior Support. So Dr. D, you are the current president of the Association for Positive Behavior Support, and you've been involved with the organization since 2006, which is fantastic. In 2022, APBS updated its commitment to equity. Can you elaborate on how the original hallmarks of positive behavior support, things like values-based and person-centered perspectives that use understanding behavior as communication, building adaptive behaviors, and data-based decision-making are tied to that equity and inclusion? Sure, I'd be happy to. Thank you for inviting me and asking me these questions. I do feel like I, I get invited to address historical kinds of things because I'm old. Uh, I've been here for a long time, uh, since the beginning of the organization. I think I was one of the very first members of the organization. Um, but we've had a long history of, of positive behavior support and person-centered perspectives impacting the lives of individuals, particularly individuals with disabilities. But understanding that, I mean, some of the hallmarks of the approach, the understanding that behavior communicates, um, is really just a way of saying that that we can understand who a person is and what's happening in their life by just listening better to what's happening with their behavior. Uh, behavior tells us a lot about the quality and conditions of a person's life uh, and their family's life. And, and when you do that, it also causes you to leave your preconceptions and your biases behind. Uh, it's not about what I think John wants. It's what does he want? What are his dreams? When we begin to really open ourselves to understand how the environment, and that's the daily events, society as a whole, uh, their system of support, as well as their system of oppression, how does that impact the individual and the family? And then when we think of that second characteristic of building adaptive behaviors, uh, that's one that I think we've we've grown a lot, a lot in, even as an association. Um, you know, our goal was to develop personal and positive and pro-social behaviors, and not about removing undesirable behaviors, which was what was happening before in a, in a lot of the supports uh, that people were receiving. But it requires you to really have that PBS values base and, and person-centered values. Um, it also requires us to listen to what the person and the family wants. We've got to be very clear about what we're trying to support in this process. It also means that it's not about what my vision is for adaptive skills and adaptive behavior. It's what does this person want to achieve? What are the, his dreams? What's the family's dreams? Um, and that again, requires me to leave my biases and preconceptions behind or at least change them to adapt to what I'm learning about the person. What we end up doing is 
making sure we don't make assumptions about what the person is like, what their needs are, what their life is are, that we don't have those biased views, but we really understand the expressed preferences of the person, of the family. And so I don't, as the PBS expert, I'll put that expert in quotes, uh, I don't get to make decisions about what those adaptive behaviors are. The individual choice, family choice is paramount. It takes, it trumps everything that we do. And then finally, in the third area of database decision-making, <clears throat> it's really about using data at the beginning and all the way through the process. And it allows us to combat, combat statements that we hear all the time when working with someone with very challenging behaviors. And it's like, it's things like, he can never, she can't, we can't do that. There's no way she will be. And, and you start with the possibilities and you humbly move from there to where the person wants to go. And I've seen tremendous work in PBS where people have moved in, in what might be impossible situations to really allow the person to achieve an amazing quality of life. One of our founders, uh, Ann Turnbull, used to call it an enviable life. Uh, it's not just, oh, can we make their life a little better? We want to make that person's life be something like, I want that life. That's cool. He's living the life he wants to have. And that's really looking at not just measuring behaviors and using behavioral data for decision-making, but more importantly, looking at quality of life outcomes. Those are some really interesting thoughts on how to make sure we are focusing equity when we're using PBS. Um, I really liked that enviable life idea, Don, that is quite something for everyone to achieve, not just um, someone who's using positive behavior supports in their life. So I'm going to take that and run with it in my life too. That sounds good. So in 2022, when APBS updated that commitment to equity, it says that they recognize that if positive behavior support isn't implemented with intentionality, which means using values-based and person-centered perspectives like you just were speaking about, those practices and frameworks can continue harm. Dr. D and Dr. E, please weigh in. How can individuals who use the framework of positive behavior support avoid perpetuating those systemic issues that we have as providers of PBS, which could include power, control, and privilege? Well, I'll jump in and then we'll get some additional input. Uh, you know, one of the foundations of PBS many years ago was that inclusion was at the foundation of PBS. And, and we've come to see that inclusion is inequity or tied and because there's that clear connection because inclusion is about equity. Providing support to the individual so they can attain that enviable life requires dealing with personal and systemic equity issues. Uh, there's just no way around it. And, and so one of the things that we've learned is as we begin to know the individual that we're supporting, uh, we want that person just to be a person. Uh, they don't have to meet our expectations. They don't meet our assumptions and our biases. In fact, we need to deal with those and, and come to terms with those. In When we first began working in the area of PBS, uh, the question was, first off, you don't do PBS to somebody. You don't PBS them. You are engaged in a collaborative, supportive process. But there was an initial question of, you know, in order to do PBS, do we need to know 
about every culture and nationality? Do we need to become a competent? And, and my position has always been that if you're doing PBS well, you're learning about that person, that family that you're deeply engaged with. And you're going to learn about the culture, the nationality, the family systems that they bring with them. And they may be very consistent with what conceptions might be that others might think about, but they may be completely different. And you need to really fully engage with that person, that family, and understand what's important to them. What do they love doing? What are their dreams? What works best for them might not work best for another family. And if I really center on the person, I won't, again, allow biased assumptions about what that person is, who they are, what they need. We should be reducing that. We should be confronting it directly in any support we provide for individuals. You give preference to the choices the individual and family make in their life. And that's not being, is not made by other individuals. It's not made by me as a behavioral consultant. It's not made by the support agency. It's not made by the state or the federal government that provides funding. It, and it's also reframing the entire idea of years ago, we used to talk about behavior management. Management really comes with a connotation that you are doing something to somebody else. And that person is a lower status than you. And we moved very quickly, very early on to do away with that term. And we moved to support because it was a collaborative relationship that uh, was built on trust and respect. And that's completely different than some of the things that many individuals had experienced. And again, if you are the behavior specialist working with somebody and using PBS, you don't get to decide what behaviors you're going to focus on. That's really part of that team team's process that gives preference to the to the individual their family as an agency you don't get to say well we we do x but you want y we can't we're not going to do that and and as a state funders you might say well you can only you can only use state funds to do these a b and c things well what if they need d what if they need something completely different so it's really confronting those those issues those sources of power as well as control over a person's life and addressing them head on at the personal level and then also systemic level. Ooh. Now, it's hard to follow up Dr. D, right? Um, but he makes so many great points, particularly surrounding if folks need, if all you have is A, B, and C, what if they need D, right? And I think when we talk about power and privilege, particularly when we're working with folks in PBS, we have to start thinking, right? The framework is only as impactful as the folks that are using it, right? And the way we have to think about it is, I, I was talking to somebody um, in the field and I, would, I just spouted out, I said, you should know the framework so well you can adapt it. Right. So no longer do we want to hear, well, this is the way we've done it. How are we looking at the data in the folks that we are working with? Right. And knowing what we know, right, as consultants, as folks who are doing the work and saying, and Lila Watson has a great quote, indigenous artist. If you've come here to help me, you've wasted your time. But if you've come because your liberation is bound up with mine, let us work together. I, I have always been a proponent that 
for me, PBS has been that for me as a student member, <laughs> look, as a board member now, right? Like, wait, how am I using what I have, right? That's inclusion, right? When people feel welcomed in a setting, we're hearing what folks have to say because I need to know you in order to give you what you need, right? Maybe what you need is just access, right? But if we don't do that good inclusion work well, we're missing the mark, right? And again, that comes back to us, right? Sometimes we've been focused on, the client, the group of students. But wait, we have definitely, let's flip that power. We have some power and privilege as practitioners to look at the data and lift it up and work with our folks to say, this is what I'm seeing. What are you experiencing? And then giving us all what we need. Because at the end of the day, if we do equity really well, not only do the people that we're in service to and with, right? We get what we need. I tell people all the time, I do work, that I need to be able to sleep at night. And I believe that PBS is that tool and that framework in which I can sleep at night, right? Where I feel like I'm I, I'm, I'm inclusive, I'm, I'm listening to folks, but then I'm able to give them what they need. Therefore, I am doing what I've been called to do as it relates to positive behavior supports. And, and I'll add that fantastic points. I'll add that one of the areas that was foundational to our early work was person-centered planning. Uh, I do believe we've moved from the impact of person-centered planning, and we need to rediscover that, particularly for the application of PBS at the individual, either student or adult or family level, because that's the point where you understand the, uh, the environmental factors, the wants and needs of the individual, their goals and dreams for the future, as well as what's working and what's not working. What are the sources of power that are impacting their ability to have the life they want? And how do you overcome those? Uh, otherwise, we're just saying, hey, PBS is just about delivering really good, effective practices. Hey, you know, other people do that. And what they are missing is they're not spending the time getting to know and adapting what they're doing to match the context of the individual or in the family. That's the power of PBS. And we've really got to understand that the power of that is actually delivering the power back to that family and to the individual. Those thoughts were really impactful. I was taking notes as you both were talking and I couldn't type fast enough for all of the great things I was hearing. I really liked that idea about you do not PBS someone. I think sometimes when we start work in PBS, that can be a trap some people fall into. We're doing this for them, to them, not with them. So really thinking through, it's that collaborative, supportive process, centering the person, I think is a really important piece to distinguish PBS from other ways of working with individuals. Yeah, I'm going to add one other little thing yeah. here, and I think it's we we alluded to it that you're you're not doing PBS if your goal is to simply remove a behavior or into or to Im, uh, improve even a positive behavior. You really have to look at the bigger impacts and the bigger quality of life issues for somebody, and I think that that that's a critical area that defines PBS beyond other sciences and other practices is really looking at those broader quality of life outcomes. Thanks for adding that, Don. 
I had something I was thinking about as we were talking about that term behavior management popped out to me as a former educator. I used that in my daily life. Staff I worked with used that. And I'm going to just give you this question. And if you've got something to add to it, um, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are. We use that term widely in schools, oftentimes schools where we say we're using PBIS, which is PBS for schools. How could staff approach that differently so it fits and aligns more with the PBS we're talking about today, right now? Well, I think you have to address, uh, you know, as as Dr. E will share, you know, language and words are important, and and you've got to directly confront the use of certain words that impact how you're perceived, how the support you're using is perceived very early on when we started making the move. Before before there was PBS, there was Community Reference Non-Diversity Behavior Management. That's what we were called. And it was accurate, but it also had some connotations to it that we didn't like. And we began to look and say, what is it that we're about? We're about supporting behavioral and growth for individuals. We're about using positive methods to do that. And we're about delivering that support, not management of the individual, looking at choice, looking at quality of life outcomes. So you've got to change the words and directly confront and have discussions about, you know, we're not going to talk about management. We're going to talk about PBIS or PBS. Both of them use support. There's no management in either one of those. And I, as thinking about um, being a coach, right? Uh, PBS coach and being a consultant, I tell folks, um, sometimes we get caught up in acronyms and, you know, right. And sometimes we don't, we don't realize the power of our words, right. Particularly on folks who have been harmed by them. Right. So thinking about my own educational journey, when I hear certain words, it hits different from me than other people. So first, when we talk about implementing like PBS, right, we have to sit and have a community agreement about how we're going to do it. And if we're doing that very well, it'll probably pop up that we are not we're not going to leverage management in the way others have. Right. I've had schools who say this is our way right now underneath. You can see, oh, this is a PBS school. Right. But those communities have come together and said, this is the way we do school. Right. This is the way we do it. Right. And understanding that it doesn't have those evidence based practices can live, but they have to live through the eyes of the people who are receiving it. And so what does that mean? And I want to I want to shout out our practitioners, our folks who are supporting schools. That means you have to get in relationship with folks and figure out what that looks like. Right. And not assuming like I can use this word and everybody's okay with it. No, folks have been traditionally harmed by certain things in our education educational system. And that's the issue right there, right? <laughs> and so how do we think about co, I don't want to even say co-conspiring, but co-collaborate, co-collaborating with folks to say, this is what we want. Maybe parts of it look like some sort of management, but first let me push ourselves. We need to manage ourselves before we ever think we're going to manage anybody else, okay? And so if we are looking at our data, if you're going to manage anybody, manage how you're doing something, right? I tell people all the time before we start trying to, because that's when we start getting into power, right? And privilege, right? 
who has the authority to manage anything? And so I think it's dismantling what that means, right? And in getting in community folks to say what we mean. Is this the way we do it, right? Are we trying to advocate and collaborate instead of manage, right? I think we have to go look into our data and have conversations with folks to figure out what we're trying to do. Because I think we just use words to use them. And as Dr. D said, right? You heard that title. I sat back and went like, whoa, right? But what does someone realize that we need to do that in a different way? We need to say it in a different way. Not because we need to, but because I'm thinking about the folks I'm working with and I want them to be able to collaborate with me. And if we really, really get that and build that equitable mindset, I tell people all the time, Dr. E, why do you say equitable mindset? You all can't see me. If I take off my glasses, that's a choice I'm making not to see certain things, right? But if I'm building an equitable mindset, I'm going to catch that word, right? Like, because I'm looking at the data and I'm talking to my teachers and my families and realizing that there may be something there. And then I'm giving all of us what we need by making a different decision to leverage what we traditionally call management. And and one way we've grown as, as a science and as an association is um, in the in the application of PBIS. I think very early on, we did not give an awareness of that collaboration between families but and students and the entire community. And we have really invested in that for PBS and for PBIS. And, and it may be that you're not seeing it in a school. You're saying, well, this is, doesn't seem like families are represented here or students. Well, it may be that they, they started doing PBIS 10 years ago. Well, we've changed things since then. And we're trying to, in, in all of those realms, to really look at those collaborative relationships and respect across all of those, as well as having um, systems developed and supports developed that everybody provides input into so that it meets the needs of everyone. And I think if you're not seeing that within a school, you're not seeing that in support for an individual child or an adult, or you don't see at la that level, at an individual level of support for a person, that their preferences and their needs and their input is not paramount and at the top of of what you're trying to assess then then you've really got to assess are we delivering pbi pbs or pbis the way we should thank you for elaborating on those topics i really think it's important to consider all of those pieces we just talked about my mind was whirling as we were talking so i wanted to make sure we could hit on some of those pieces before we moved on this leads well into my next question so the apbs organization has outlined action steps in its commitment to equity. We were just talking about some of those ways we're moving forward in PBS. One of the steps is to dedicate a working committee of those with lived experiences. We're talking about centering the people who have those lived experiences, focused on elevating the, and integrating the priority of equity, human rights, and social justice throughout the organization. Dr. E is co-chair of the APBS Equity Committee. We're so happy to have her with us today. Dr. K and Dr. E, can you tell our listeners about some of those next steps in centering equity in the work done at APBS? Dr. E, you take off and go, and I'm going to jump in. 
All right. So it's such a host of things. And I just want to stand here and say that I'm so proud to see the evolution and the growth in my beloved organization. Um, I don't come here alone. So I'm a co-chair. So I want to shout out Satish, Jessica and Sarah. Um, and we are quad chairs. And that's probably like, wow, they have four people because we realize that it takes community. Right. And so when we meet every month and we also move at the pace um, that our most marginalized deserve. And so when we get into those meetings um, every month, we talk about we literally start with our 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 expectations because we 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 believe in those things right and those things that are centering our 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 committee but we also focus on our goals in which we were created to do right and so i'm so happy that we're able and if you look at our group it is i tell people diversity is just the mere presence of difference um, what I what I'm proud of our committee and I'm inviting everyone. Come on, come on in. We will, we love you. Just shoot shoot us an email. Is that we open our agenda? We ask folks if they want to add anything to it, right? Even with things that we're working on, we're working on a book study, right? We just we're sitting. We're making sure that even for our conference, right? We're taking time to make sure that not only equity is something not a checkbox, but it is our foundational work and in which we do right and in which we make decisions, right? And so our committee is really trying to hear the voices. In, in, in our field, right? And be responsive to them. But first, some of the things you probably can't see, and I think our, our fabulous president can hear that we're that committee that's going to get up in a meeting and push, right? <laughs> Part of our job is to go, hey, can we think about that? What is that looking like? And so there's some things that are tangible to us, right? Look at me, I'm sitting here in a seat and Don can probably, um, Dr. D can probably tell you, that seat took work from people, right? I am standing on the shoulders of folks who've been doing the work for many, many years because it takes that much to dismantle systems that may be oppressive. And so as a black woman to sit on a board and feel like I'm empowered to say what I need to say, right? But also be able to work with other folks to make the organization what it needs to be. We're so proud of that. So one, we, we meet every month. We also are trying to work on different initiatives um, and push our board members, right? And also to push our, our membership, right? To give them what they need. So think about different sessions we're offering. This, this conversation right now, think about it. How many people want to sit and talk about equity from a real place, right? And so what we want to do is also continue to be data-driven. So we, we love a good survey and we love figuring out what people want to hear and what they need to be successful. So we also dismantle that power of because anything can turn an, an oppressive, right? Well, the committee's going to tell us, no, 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 no. What What is the field saying? Where are we listening to our members? We need to go. Uh, there was a moment where we recruited other people. We're like, hey, everybody go find somebody to build our committee. Because we realized that we didn't have, we, we needed a divergence of thought. Right. In order for us to be inclusive, we needed to make sure the folks were at the table. So I know Don can jump on with many other things, but know that we are also open. So know that you can always reach out to us and go, hey, I have a question about that. And if you look at our website, right, we didn't just stop with that um, commitment to equity. We go back, right, and go like, wait, something is happening in our world. We have to address it. Right. There's something. And I, I said something in a meeting a long time ago, and Don may remember. I was like, we have to move from just having statements on papers and we have to live them. I said it in a meeting, like I said, 
we have to live them. And so our committee's focus is how are we living, right? We Most of us on the equity committee, there's somebody in a, one of our pushes was if we have a committee, somebody from the equity committee needs to be on another committee. Can't just live in silos, right? And so making sure that not only does this committee um, have divergence of thought and being inclusive, we're going into other, shout out the family committee. Look, I, I joined them, right? And thinking about right, and and I'm I'm not married. I I actually don't have any children. I have a great stepson. I haven't birthed any children. But imagine that thought that we're having in those committees, right? Because we're thinking about first we have to model this, and then our folks who are our members are like, wow, look at APBS. They're 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 modeling the work. We're not just talking about it. We're trying to do something. And so um, we still have work to do but we're going to keep working because it is a journey. It is a journey. And I'll give a shout out to the equity committee and, and they're a powerhouse, their commitment to centering equity and all of the strategic plan activities that we have, all of the work groups and committees is been really important. I mean, they could have chosen to say, Hey, we're going to have our committee and do our work over here, but they were wise enough to realize that doesn't produce the system change that we got to have. And, and so that was a significant impact on APBS. Uh, we've also addressed equity within the board. We've had a collaboration and equity checkup that we've engaged in. We're engaged in anti-racism discussions now as, as a board wanting to grow and come to some understanding and consensus. And, and, uh, and then the final thing was that commitment to equity statement. The great thing about it, it wasn't a statement. It was a policy. And it wasn't about, hey, this is what we believe. It was about, as Dr. E said, it was about a commitment that led to actions. And so there are very clear actions in there that we are committing to doing as we need to grow as a board and as we think the association as a whole needs to grow. I, I've noticed that in my short time working with APBS, I've been around for about six months and I've noticed those action steps being lived in the committees I work in, they're pushing in, knowing we need to do it right and making sure everyone is on board, knows what we're doing and understands how important this work is. So I want to thank you both for your time working on this, Erica, for um, collaborating with the podcast. We are just so grateful for all of this, this movement in the right direction we need to be moving. So thank you both. I appreciate your work and dedication to this and improving my skill sets along with you. It just happens. So I really appreciate all of that. In addition, you both are a wealth of knowledge. I was wondering what resources you would recommend for our listeners who would like to dig deeper into this equity work as it relates to PBS, thinking across systems, things like schools, communities, families. We've talked about that throughout the episode, but digging a little deeper, any recommendations there? Well, I'll jump in first. And, and I really think that I direct people to the APBS's commitment to equity statement, because it goes from, again, what should we believe and what do we believe about equity? to what are the kind of things as an agency, but not just an agency, what are the kind of things that families, schools, other institutions, what do they need to do to address equity? It goes to action steps. And then finally is a tremendous set of resources that are at the end of that. 
So it's a really comprehensive statement. And, and that's a great place to start in, in growing your knowledge and, and beginning those discussions. And to Dr. D's point, I think I, I take a breath when someone says to me, well, what resources would you recommend? My first, first push is we, we're data-driven, right? What is happening in your community, right? And what equitable work is happening? One thing that I, I, I try to get folks to understand that, one, the work is never unfinished. And two, there are so many people who've been doing this work, but haven't had the platform or the privilege, right? And so I even think about all the other times that I've been worked, I've worked as a director of PBIS, a coach of PBIS. I almost gave too many resources without asking the question, what resources do we have here? What are we leveraging already that we may need to bring a bigger light to? Right. And so I'm even thinking about, you know, and everyone knows I, I've had a background in Philadelphia. Shout out to Philadelphia. Right. So much great work and so many great resources that are even curated for that community. Right. And I tell people all the time, the center always has great things. So if you go to PBIS.org, like there's so many great things there. But how can you take that evidence based work? Right. And think about your community. And that's where inclusion is. Because if you really try to like, just say, well, this is what I have, that starts to be a two, right? That's, that starts exactly. to go, here's the resources, read this book, read this. I, I agree. Now, when folks have specific questions, absolutely. But what do you know to be true that is evidence-based? And who are you talking to in the community to figure out what resources have parents and students already tapped in, Right. What information do we have? Are there local community folks who are doing equity work that we should collaborate with? Because I tell people so much, the work starts to become in silos at a point. Like, well, you're over here and then I'm going to stay over there. So what resources would I recommend? I would recommend that you go look in the communities in which you serve and see who's doing the work with you. Book a meeting and have a conversation about what you are all doing. Bring to the table the beautiful resources that have been curated nationally and regionally surrounding PBI, PBS, right? And then make that, this is when inclusion and equity comes in. Okay, I've heard this. This is what I have. This is the equity work, or there is no equity work happening, and that might be true, right? And then we start working with communities to help them dig a little deeper. I think sometimes when resources come in, it's all like, uh, hey, this is what I think you need, instead of going, hey, I have this. What have you done? <laughs> Let's work together so we can curate resources that actually target your data, right? And dismantle systems of oppression, but also give you what you need. Because I, and I'll end on this. So many folks talk to me a lot and they're like, I wish people would just talk to me and not at me. And so when I talk about resources, I think when you want to give someone resources, you should ask at least two more questions behind that. What, what's the data looking like in maybe disproportionality, right? Because you also want to give folks the resources that they can actually use because that's the power of PBS, right? Like being able to like sit in a meeting and, and have this conversation and then empower the folks that we're working with to give those individual folks and collectively what they need to be successful. So resources, 
have your toolbox, but also talk to people about what resources have they been doing to see, you don't want to duplicate something that's not working, but you also want to give folks exactly what they need to be successful and dismantle those access barriers. And I'll, sh I'll share one other thing. If you are doing PBS at the individual or family level, or if you're doing a PBIS at a school or systems level, you don't have to worry about where will I see, how will I know if there are equity issues? They will jump out at you. Uh, if you are aware and you are practicing well, you're going to see those barriers to success, uh, limits on people's power, all those things will jump out at you as targets that you need to address. And again, some of those may be very at a very personal level, but some of them may be pointing to really big systemic issues that you need to address. So you'll have plenty of things to, to occupy your time and your passions too. Thank you both for those words of wisdom. You have elevated my understanding of asking for resources today in a way I didn't know I needed. Thank you both for that. I want to thank Dr. E and Dr. D for talking about equity today. That topic is so important to the work we're doing using positive behavior support and continues to be at the center of our thoughts and actions. For our listeners today, the APBS statement on equity and the commitment to equity will be linked in our podcast description page. So please check those out if you would like to dig deeper and or connect with somebody to continue this work where you are. Thank you both for being here today. Welcome. You're welcome. We love you. <laughs> Thanks. This brings us to the end of our episode. We appreciate you taking the time to learn more about the Association for Positive Behavior Support. Upcoming podcasts will feature diverse professionals, families, community members, continuing to discuss topics focused on enhancing the quality of life of people across the lifespan by promoting evidence-based positive behavior support. You can find details for upcoming podcasts, conferences, webinars, and much more at our website, apbs.org. You can also follow and contact us on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We encourage everyone listening to visit apbs.org to learn more about membership opportunities and to be notified of upcoming episodes. Thank you. Thank you.